Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner. Every episode, I interview a star, a producer, a director, a composer, or someone involved in the making of a movie or TV show, be it independent and or Hollywood. And this week, uh, it is a man who straddles both worlds, um, but has made his bones, as they say, in the incredibly creative and diverse world of Baltimore indie filmmaking. He is a second-time guest uh, on this particular show, and it is always fun to speak to the one, the only, the legendary Baltimore actor George Stover. Um, on this episode, we talk specifically about two DVDs or Blu-rays that have come out this week, uh, the first one being Alien Factor, the first Don Dola feature that uh, George Stover ever starred in, which has been released specifically on Blu-ray by Retro Media. And the other one is No Stopping the Stover, a fantastic documentary about uh, the life and work of Mr. George Stover. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, hopefully I want to get this up soon so that... Um, sure. Uh, we can sell more copies of Alien Factor and No Stopping the Stover. That's the plan. Right. So. <laughs> right. That's what this is about, to plug those, I guess. Uh, plug those, but also have a catch-up. I mean, with last time right. I think you were on the the uh, Diner uh, podcast, we hadn't met yet. It was some years ago, and uh, I had just got into the wonderful world of uh, Don Dola's movies and discovered you through them. That's right. We hadn't met. The time, the time we spoke, we had not met yet. And it's, it's been an exciting week for you. Your Facebook must have been blowing up because uh, every, yeah. everyone's been receiving their copies of uh, Alien Factor Blu-ray mm-hmm. and uh, No Stopping the Stover. So that's got to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, it's amazing that they both came out in the same uh, week because they were both... Uh, the project started over a year ago and from two different... Uh, sources and you know uh fred olin ray and and in california and uh lee Dahl and jeff herberger in, in maryland they uh started working on these projects like over a year ago and, and they come out the same uh basically the same week i got my copy of uh the documentary on tuesday of last week and i got the uh first copies of the alien factor blu-ray on thursday two days two days later so it was kind of like a double whammy yeah, I had the same. I had the same experience, George. And it was the other way round. I got Alien Factor first, and then I got uh, I got No Stopping the Stover a couple of days later. So my week was filled with with uh, right. watching you last week. I watched the extras. I get, I get, you probably had had your fill of me by this time. I know I have. <laughs> I've had my fill of myself. Not 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 at all, George. I can I can never get enough. But uh, uh, I enjoyed both the things. So, um, but let's uh, talk first of all about the Alien Factor Blu-ray. Um, okay. So, so when was that sort of? How did that come about? And when was that first uh, suggested? Well, um, Fred Olin Ray uh, released it twice before on DVD, 
Uh, he released the Alien Factor by itself a few years ago, and then he uh, subsequently released the Alien Factor on a double feature with Fiend. And on that one, I did the audio commentary for both movies. And uh, Fred's always had a fondness for uh, monster movies in which men wear suits and play <laughs> yeah. monsters. And I, th I heard that on, on one of his audio commentaries somewhere. So um, Retromedia just started re releasing um, Blu-rays fairly recently. I think their first one was uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and then he, Fred did Biohazard, and then he did Scalps on Blu-ray. And this is uh, now he owns all of them, but this one has, was his first pickup for Blu-ray from somebody else. And um, so it's, I believe this is his fourth uh, Blu-ray release. So he figured, well, let's uh, let's put out the Alien Factor on Blu-ray, and we had a uh, the uh, little limited partnership cinemagic visual effects still uh has the original uh film elements yeah and uh so a, a blu-ray was possible uh and i was i was very impressed with the image quality first of all i mean the sharpness and the snappy colors really uh surprised me yeah it's fantastic it, it, it looks great it's, it's better than i've ever seen it before and I've seen it a lot of times before <laughs> over the years on uh, on movie film and uh, and DVD and VHS. And uh, this is the best it's ever looked that I can recall. I mean, the sharpness and the colors. So um, Fred had the lab uh, transfer the film, and uh, he wanted some extras. So I got uh, somehow I got that duty because I uh, well I was storing the film elements in my basement. Yeah. And I'm the one who personally mailed them to him. And also, I've known him personally for years. And uh, I knew where, the whereabouts of all these people that worked on the movie. So, and I had a little bit of a uh, savvy on making this stuff, uh, putting it together. So I, I ended up doing the, uh, doing the extras, including the audio commentary. And uh, that was a... Really, a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, that audio commentary, I don't know if you counted them, but did you know there are 15 voices on that? Wow. F no, I, I didn't realize voices. there was that many people, yeah. I made a list of them today, and it's 15 people on there, including myself. And um, I don't know, you probably listen to a lot more audio commentaries than I do. Is that some kind of a record? Let's... That's, that's a question for you and your audience members. That sort of is that somewhat of a record for the number of voices. I, I think I mean certainly for me the ones I've listened to, uh -huh. mo most of the group group commentaries are maybe four, five, six. Now I know that there was, I think Kevin Smith for More Rats did a oh no Kevin Smith for the original Clerks DVD did a commentary on the More Rats set that had a lot of the cast from More Rats kind of pop into it. But I don't think oh. it was I don't think it was ever fifteen people. Uh, well, I'd maybe like eight to, or nine, uh, I think. I'd like to know the the uh, record if anybody out there uh, can write in and and uh, uh, and verify that that's that this is the record or if somebody if something else tops it, I'd love to know what it is. But uh, certainly it's tough to get fifteen voices for something that was made thirty five plus years ago. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, a treat for the and, fans. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, I mean, 
it was one. It was hard enough just to get the sound bites for people because of uh, everybody scattered all over the country, and uh, some people were uh, kind of procrastinating on me. Yeah. And it was like pulling teeth in some cases. I don't want to mention any names, but they know who they are. <laughs> if they're listening, and they were like were holdouts, and I had to uh, really, really. Uh, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I won't say beg, but I had to really nag and uh, persuade. And uh, you know, it was a lot of work getting all the voices to, in the first place, just getting them into my house. And then I had to edit them, and that was really tough. Because you see, I'm not really uh, that, that that technical. I used the, the old version of iMovie for you, for people out there who. Um, Use Apple computers. iMovie's the editing software. Yeah. And uh, there was an older version, which was pretty easy. Then they upgraded it to a new version, and the new software doesn't support the old version. But I have an old computer, so I was using the old version, which is fairly simple. But it's still a lot of work to chop up those uh, pieces of sound and put them in the right places, and uh, you know, cut out the little errors. I don't want to mention a name, but one person kept uh, referring to uh, uh, Mary Jane. What's her name? Mary Jane Carter. Yeah. I kept referring her to Mary Ellen or something like that. Uh, Mary Ann. Like I think he watched one too many Gilligan's Islands. I had to cut that out. <laughs> and uh, um, it was really hard to chop that all up and put it in the right places. And then. Uh, I did everybody else first, and then what was left over was me to fill in. So I had to script that. To, when, like when I give a little bio about Don Dola or uh, Don Leifert yeah. or talk about other things, I had to uh, write it to make it fit in the space available. I couldn't just wing it like some of the people did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had to, I had a, you know, so many seconds. That's why I, I say we'll be back in a moment. I'll tell you more about Don Dola and Don Dolor in a moment, but now here's a here's a Dick, because uh, his sound was already laid out, and he had to talk about a certain scene he was in, and I had to fill in the gaps. So that's why I broke up my uh, little bios of uh, uh, Don Lifer and Don Dolor, for example. Yeah, but what it so, means is there's a sort of constant, there's constant information and constant talking, and it's yeah, a very nice a of, packed well, commentary. Yeah, it was. I learned a lot myself because uh, everybody was telling me stuff that I wasn't aware of because I I wasn't on set all the time. I I was just on set when I needed to be. So they were telling me about things that happened when they were on set, and I didn't really even know about it. So it was very educational for me to yeah. do that. And it, it was fun to get in touch with everybody again after all these years. And uh, But that was a lot of work. And well, then... Um, the fans definitely appreciate it. I can, I can tell you that much. And, it, and it's definitely one of the big selling points is that for anyone who's a fan either of the movie of yourself or of the cast and or of Don, that there is so much information on there. and But also there's... There's that wonderful. There's something about Blu-rays and behind the scenes and even DVDs that when they find those people that uh, you know, oh, this guy built the suit or this guy did the one miniature for the spacecraft or whatever it is, 
it, it, you as a film fan, you're so wow. Like the, the out of the millions of people on the planet, this one guy, you know what I mean, came together with all these other people to to make this thing that you you know you've loved right, for so long. Right. And that there's a great there's a great feeling. I know you're a film fan yourself, George, so I know right. that you know the the feeling that you get as a fan of of finding those little curious yeah, people. Well, you know? <laughs> some people, some of the people who contributed sound. I only talked about their scenes. Other people talked about scenes they weren't in. Yeah. Well, several people talked about the spaceship uh, scene and how it was a toothbrush holder. I had to decide who to use <laughs> because everybody wanted to talk about that. I think I used the first one who sent me something, and it was Dick Dizel. So he, he ended up by default because I had already laid in his track yeah. when uh, you know everybody else started talking about it. And I... Uh, uh, I mean, it's really a pain in the ass to do that audio commentary, and that's the <laughs> that's the first and the last one I'm going to do like that. I mean, I it would have been so much easier if I had just rambled on uh, again talking about the movie, but there, I couldn't think of anything to say that I hadn't said before, except who had passed away or who had right. had a child or a grandchild or something, and I didn't want to just um, do it that way. I really couldn't think of anything else to say that I. I had said before uh, that I hadn't already said before, so I thought, well, I'll get uh, some other people involved. And uh, but my goodness, that was so difficult. Then there was a technical problem. Um, I used the old version of the movie from a DVD to do the lay out the sound, and apparently uh, I didn't know this at the time, but it has uh, the frames per second are different than the Blu-ray frames per second. So Fred had to. Um, chop up my uh, uh, audio commentary that I sent him and piece it together and lay it out in sync. Right. It must have been difficult for him because he did write that um, he was when he, when he released Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers on Blu-ray, he was, at first he was going to use this, the audio commentary from the previous release, but it didn't sync up. So he just decided, well, we'll do it all over again. But we couldn't do it all over again with my contribution because there were so many people involved. So he had to actually chop up the sound and spread it out over the Blu-ray timeline to make it, keep it in sync with uh, the movie. And I mean, that's beyond my uh, capabilities. And I'm giving you the, uh, a summary of what he, what he said to me. I'm not sure I quite understand it myself, but uh, people out there who are listening who might be more technically uh, oriented that I am might know what I'm talking about, but uh, it was a real uh, ordeal, and I, I don't mind contributing to an audio commentary in the future, but I'm not going to edit <laughs> one like this thing. before. That was a once-in-a-lifetime uh, um, thing for me. Yeah, it's funny because when I started the, the podcast um, a few years ago, I was very much the same. I had all these elaborate ideas and would get multiple guests and, and do music right. and comedy and various other things. And the edit jobs I would have to do each week were, <laughs> would take me days. I know. <laughs> so, I know. Uh, when, when, you, when your mind thinks of these things, it seems simple. But then when you actually try to do them, it's, it's more complicated. And... Uh, but I mean, Fred Olin Ray must must the the alien factor and, and the alien factor fiend double disc, they must be selling well enough, and he must be aware of the fan base for him to uh, pull the trigger on a on a Blu-ray, and also to when he got the commentary, spend the time chopping it up again and making it fit and right. everything else. Yeah, he, I'm sure he has a feel for the market. 
Yeah, rather than you just know, sort of and, putting uh, out a half-assed effort, he he he's you know you and him, sort of working either either coast have put together right. this wonderful package, right. you know. Right, but everybody involved with the movie is so spread out. I mean, uh, some people live in Maryland, but others live in Virginia or Pennsylvania or Michigan or California, and uh, you know, I'd, and I had to contact all these people, and some people did their uh, audio and uh, video where they live and others I had to do my I had to visit or have them come here yeah so I had to visit uh, Glenn Barnes in his home Don's brother yeah and I visited uh, Eleanor Herman in her home she lives in Virginia yeah and Britt McDonald Britt McDonald lives in Virginia so I had to go visit them and then I had uh, over here at the house I had um, Larry Schlechter and Chris Gummer and Richard Guywitz and um, they came over here, and I, t- uh, I taped them myself. <laughs> so I was yeah. also cameraman and, and a little bit of everything on that project. Plus, I, I did the hosting of the, uh, of the intros. Of the special and, features, yeah. You know, I wear the same uh, coat and tie in all those uh, shorts, and there's probably some people who think I did all that in one day, but believe me, I wore that coat and tie many, many days. Yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> it was, in, it was, it was wonderful. in the summer, and it was hot, and I was sweating. It was very <laughs> unpleasant. And I was a one-man crew. Yeah. I had to, uh, I put the camera, my camera on my tripod and, and uh, pressed the um record button and then walked in front of it and and uh, you know I had focusing problems and that's why that plant is behind me in <laughs> a few shots that's my stand in and that was to uh sure focus the camera before I I got in front of it and uh um it was very difficult to do it by myself but do you like the <laughs> fact I mean I like the fact but but did you like the fact that just as um, Don's films have that wonderful um, heart to them because they're homemade and they're independently right. produced. This Blu-ray sort of maintains that, that that sort of ethos of, look, we can put it together, we just all need to sort of do our own little homemade bit and let's, let's right, go. Right. And I kind of love that. It, <laughs> it, 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 it fits the film. I think if you had done it too professionally, it would have seemed... Right. A little well, odd, thank goodness! <laughs> thank goodness! I did have some help with the editing. Uh, right. I did the rough edit, and then uh, Steve Foley, who's a friend of Tom Griffith, Griffiths uh, in Florida. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention Tom uh, lives in in Florida, so that's another uh, state state in which a cast member lives in. Yeah. So uh, Tom Griffith lives in Florida, and his friend uh, Steve Foley was the person who shot um, the video and audio of Tom, and Steve volunteered to do. Uh, uh, the editing of the, my shorts, the short subjects, because he's a um, video professional. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the paying jobs for those people are corporate films or uh, training films, and they're not as fun as something like this. So mm-hmm. he, uh, he, he, he did it pro bono and um, in his spare time and uh, did, did all the fancy credits and titles and stuff and the transitions. And uh, so I have to thank him, of course. I give him credit in the audio commentary at the very end. Yeah. But it was um, quite an effort. To, and I just kind of thought up the ideas of what to, what short subjects to do based on what I had. And I had some reunion footage shot in 1993. So I said, well, let, let's base a uh, short subject around that. Yeah. And then I had some, some of the props and uh, clothing and artwork 
which I think you had seen some of it. And uh, I said, well, let me make a short subject about that. It's not really behind the scenes in the sense that it was shot on set. But back in those days, people didn't shoot too much on set because you had to use film. Right. And that was costly. There wasn't a video, video back then to a portable, portable video camera. So there wasn't anything shot on set. So I called it behind the scenes only because I couldn't think of a better title. I didn't want to call it props, art, work, and clothing. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then um, I came up with the television years because that um, encompasses uh, promoting the movie on television, the courtesy of uh, TV clips, Dick Dizel especially. And also it uh, deals with the broadcasting of the movie. That's why I had those bumpers at the end. Uh, right. I thought they were kind of enjoyable. Oh, oh, definitely, and it's it's a it's a complete treasure trove. I mean, it's fantastic. Some of that stuff I'd seen before, um, because uh, I think you'd sent me that sort of package of DVDs right. that you have. So I'd right. seen some of it, um, but it was you know to see it all uh, uh, cleaned up and with better sound and yeah, and, and some hosted of, some by of those you. And, uh-huh. Right. Some of those bumpers were not uh, on the stuff I sent you. That uh, right. um, Hollywood's best. <laughs> That's really a funny one. Yeah. It's the best of Hollywood or whatever it's called, because uh, obviously this didn't come from Hollywood. Right. And, um, um, but, yeah, you saw it all slickly, slickly packaged this time around. Well, I thought that it and, was great to get Tom Griffith involved because, uh, you know, from the various DVD releases of Don's films and even from uh, Blood, Boobs and Beast, sort of Tom has been... The missing what you know, the missing link kind of thing, and right. I know I know he's cropped up on uh, Facebook in the last couple of years, and me and him are, are friends on Facebook, and we talk and so on. But uh, I, I hadn't seen him on any supplementary features, so that was a real uh, joy for for me, and I know will be for the for the fans to to finally get the sheriff back in the the special right. editions. So, yeah. uh, uh, I know you've never seen the the, the footage uh, of the cast and crew members as they look today. Yeah. Cause that was never that was made exclusively for this uh Blu-ray. Yeah. And it was it yeah. was just great and I like one of one of my favorite moments uh was um during the sort of uh, cast and crew um edited together kind of a documentary that you put on the on the disc. The fact that you uh host it in that coat and tie that you were wearing um, which I loved, and then at a certain point when uh, Dick is being a uh, Dick Dizel, uh, Count Gordeval for people uh, who are uh, up on or in the know on on his uh, other persona, um, he's being interviewed in his uh, dungeon set, and you right. wa- and you walk in <laughs> with the coat and tie yeah. on. I, that, right. that I loved. I loved that. That he, was one he's of my the favorites. only person in which he's the only interview in which I appear. Yes, his, his interview is the only one in which I appear. I think the reason is because uh, that was done uh, first. Right. I, I interviewed him in his uh, dungeon. Uh, he was the first person to do an interview, and I interviewed him. And then uh, I think I wore that coat and tie just to look professional. Sure. And I ended up. I said, "Well, I might as well wear it for the rest of the stuff." And I think that was the first stuff that was shot for any of the shorts. Yeah. And. Um, and then, of course, it wasn't possible for me to appear in some of the interviews because they were done out of state and just mailed to me. Right. So I couldn't of appear in them. And then I figured, well, I don't really, I got enough to do to shoot so and so. I don't want to worry about 
me being in the picture. I'm in this thing enough. I don't need to be in every interview that I shoot. So I, I, that's why I only appear in the in the one, really. I, I can't I can't get enough, George. It could have been in all of them for me. But um, so uh, what I was. Oh yeah. So when you were getting people together, either either by email or by phone or whatever, or in person, um, did you get a sense of? Uh, that the fact that the movie has lasted, the fact that it has only gained fans over the years, um, the fact that it has now been on multiple DVDs and Blu-rays, do, did you get a, did you get a feeling from the the cast um, that you assembled that there is some like happiness and pride and and uh, um, enjoyment out of out of that fact? Like, uh, uh, do they look back on it fondly? Mm-hmm. Do you think? Yes, everybody I, I who participated. Um, seems to really be uh, fond of it and glad they did it. And uh, I think they're kind of surprised that uh, people still remember the movie. Of course, a lot of that was due to the fact that it was released to television. That helped a lot. Right. And it it was released to television because of Star Wars being popular. Yes, of course. And uh, there was a, you know, as I probably mentioned somewhere along the line, um, uh, Star Wars was a big hit and it surprised everybody. And TV distributors were clamoring for a science fiction product, and they weren't as uh, as fussy as they might have been ordinarily. So they they were eager to uh, snap up the Alien Factor, and it got a great TV deal, and that's where it gained gained a lot of its um, recognition. Plus, the monster was on the cover of Famous Monsters, right? Of and uh, and then you know everybody, uh, a lot of people remembered it fondly from from the television years, and. Um, I mean, over over the years, I've cranked out VHS copies for people who saw the movie and it hadn't been on uh, DVD yet, or you know, I've made copies for people, but now now it's commercially available, so that's really nice. But everybody was very, uh, everybody seemed fond of it, and they were yeah. just uh, you know really surprised that uh, people were still interested in it. Well, I mean, I see that on Facebook uh, we have that Don Dola fan group. For anyone listening who's a Don Dola fan and hasn't um, joined yet, we have this great uh, um, community online um, in the Don Dola fan group that seems to grow and grow. And from the moment the Blu-ray came out, you know, every other hour there was someone saying, I've ordered mine, I haven't ordered mine yet, I'm going to order mine. I mean, you know, the, the first thousand or just the limited edition of a thousand that uh, that you signed and, and that are right. available there. Um, you know, that, that I imagine just from all the sort of reaction it's getting and everything like that, that that's, that's going to sell out, you know what I mean? That's going to be a, so. a collector's edition. I so. hope so. That, that, was, that was a fun experience. Signing all of them. <laughs> did because, you uh, sign each one individually, or did it just print it out? And oh, and... these are real signatures. Uh, wow, excellent. Fred, Fred had uh, Fred had the printer mail them to me directly. So one day I got a box in the mail, and it was the um, a thousand covers. Right. And I sat down and I signed them all with my uh, Sharpie ultra fine uh, point um, pen. That's incredible. You should have numbered them as well, George, so that people well, <laughs> knew what number they were getting because people love that stuff. <laughs> I know, I, but they, they, the problem is, uh, you know, if I, the number early numbers like one through ten, no, nobody would. Ha- the, the first ten customers wouldn't get that, those ten. It would be they'd be all mixed up. Right. So somebody ordered early might might get nine hundred and ninety eight, and then somebody orders. Uh, 
three weeks later might get number one. It would, they wouldn't have gone out in the same order. Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. You know, because once Amazon got them, they were probably part, uh, divvied up among all the um, distribution hubs around the country. So do you know if Fred, because I know that Fred um, uh, owns or at least released back in the day Alien Factor 2, Alien Rampage, and he must own or at least have gone into partnership to release the Fiend Alien box set. Do you think we're going to get a Fiend Blu-ray or an Alien Rampage Blu-ray? I don't think it will be from Fred. I heard a rumor that, uh, see, uh, Don Dollar's children own... uh, Fiend completely. Okay. And I, I heard a rumor that um, they're in a deal with somebody to release it on Blu-ray, but I don't know if it's true or not. Some I forget the name of the company. The company's in Pennsylvania. It's not Alpha, but it's another company in Pennsylvania. Okay. And I don't, I, I don't really know the details. I heard a rumor that they were working on it, but I, it can't be too far because nobody's contacted me about an interview or any uh, – Right. So I don't really know, but um, I, I don't think it's through, it would be through Fred because he, he's busy now now with uh, Alien, uh, the Alien Dead, Alien okay. Dead with Buster Crab. I think that's going to be, be his next release. But uh, I think the Dolar children have already um, contacted somebody right. on the East Coast about that. But it might not happen. I don't know. It's I mean, because they were all they were all sort of suddenly out of nowhere released on YouTube, which was sort of out of the blue. I mean, it's great for the fans, but obviously, uh, I hope someone somewhere is getting some advertising money or something for that, and they're not just out there for free. But uh, yeah, they suddenly went up on YouTube. There's a great copy of Blood Massacre in terms of the way it looks. It's sort of the cleanest copy I've seen. I I was I must have missed that. I did. A while back, I did see the Alien Factor on YouTube, and it had uh, a version with French subtitles. Okay, <laughs> right. And I, I made a, uh, I downloaded it. Yeah. Um, for my collection, I don't know where that one came from because um, I'm not aware of a French DVD of it. Right. I try to, uh, I try to collect DVDs and VHS tapes of all my movies in the various. Uh, like uh, in the various versions and they've come out in over the uh over time and and across the globe but, but I've never heard of a um a French version of the Alien Factor on on VHS and DVD so I don't right. know if this is from a TV uh broadcast or whatever but I actually I, that still might be on there um but uh it's got subtitles in Fran- French right uh I didn't know about the other ones being on there I don't uh, and then, so with with Fred Olin Ray, one more question on that before we, because sure. as, as a linking version to No Stopping the Stover, which he appears in as well, which is fantastic. Right. Um, you went out to California once to be in one of his films, The Attack of the, is it 50 foot or 60 foot centerfold? 60 foot. 60 foot That's centerfold. Because okay. uh, Roger Corman wanted it to be, wanted the girl to be 10 foot taller than a 50 foot woman. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's how it got, got to be 60. Feet and it, make, it makes sense. Bigger. It alliterates as well to sixty foot <laughs> right. centerfold as well. But um, was uh, first. I mean, was that was that first of all the first time you'd met Fred, and and um, and secondly, was there ever talk of you ever doing another movie with him? Um, well, let me answer the first part of your question. That's not the first time I met Fred because he um, he first became aware of me, I think, through my fanzine uh, Black Oracle. But he came to Baltimore for several years in a row 
to attend the FanEx conventions. Right. And um, that's where I met him in person. And uh, I met him several times at FanEx and at Schiller in New Jersey. So I had met him, uh, you know, several times over the years. And then um, this this movie materialized. And, uh, I mean, there's been a little talk about coming out again. But for a while I was taking care of my elderly father. Yeah. And uh, it just hasn't worked out yet. But I hope to work with him again before uh, I get too, too old. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still making movies then as well as releasing them, I take it. Oh, he's he works constantly. Cool. That's fantastic. Uh, he does a lot of uh, Christmas movies for the uh, Hallmark Channel. Oh, right. And, okay. And I think he does, he's done, um, he's come out to Buffalo, New York for about about three times now, I believe, to shoot a movie, for, uh, some kind of suspense movie or something for the Lifetime Channel, I believe, believe it was. And, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's got to be the busiest director I can think of because He's always cranking them out. He's always cranking. It was like when I spoke to Jim Wynorski, um, who made Chopping Mall back in the day for also for Roger Corman and uh, uh, some other obviously very well-known pictures. Um, uh, Jim Wynorski is the same. He has uh, doing a lot of cable films and doing a lot of films on yeah, different cable yeah, channels I mean, and different cable seems networks. To be, seems to be no end to their uh, productivity. But you, yeah, you you need to be in a Wynorski film, and you need to be in another Fred Allen. You need to start ticking off like those indie, uh, uh, you know, maverick directors, people like uh, Charles, <laughs> Charles Band and Lloyd Kaufman. You need to be in some of their movies. I think right. that's what needs to yeah. happen. I'm just saying. I think. I, th- I mean, I think you should be in every movie. But that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Well, you that- should be a ca- You should first of all. You should either. You should be a casting director. <laughs> I need. I see. That's what I need. I need a casting director. Right. Like you. Yeah, who, can, who will sell me? I need. Just, I, 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 I wish I knew. I wish I had a close friend who was a casting director. Yeah, no, sa- could, uh, sadly not. Give podcaster. Me the, give me a push. Um, a <laughs> podcaster and website owner. That's about it. I, I'll, I'll push you as much as I can on the website. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so they put together uh, Jeff Herberger and Lee Doll in Baltimore. Put together this great documentary right. about you know stopping the stover, which is first of all it's a fantastic title. Love the title. Um, <laughs> second, secondly, it's a joy to watch just to see all the people they got together uh, to talk about you. Um, Fred yeah, Ar- I was surprised. Fred Ar- yeah, uh, Fred Olin Ray included in that, which was which was fantastic. Um, so, uh, what did it feel like when they first came to you with the idea, or did they start the idea before they even told you? <laughs> well, I think Lee Dow came up with the idea, and then he told me about about the idea before he ever uh, proceeded to uh, uh, do anything about it. Yeah, uh, he's he's kind of a producer type with the idea man, and then uh, Jeff Herberger is an editor and a cinematographer. So uh, Lee would do the producing and uh, the, come up with the ideas, and Jeff would actually execute the ideas with his, you know, because he's uh, he can shoot film plus he can shoot stuff plus he can edit it, and um, he's more he's like really hands on. So anyway, Lee approached me, and I the first my, this is this is true. I, I mentioned this in the Kate show, which is an extra on the DVD. And I, you know, I thought, well, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be I'd be dead first before somebody makes a documentary, you know? Because, uh, well, you know, when I was a kid growing up, the documentaries about people were about historical figures who were long gone, right? 
You didn't you didn't have documentaries about uh people still alive that I can recall. And uh but it's a different world now. So um at first they finally they convinced me, well I don't have to be dead. No, because this not way I, if I was dead I wouldn't get to see my own documentary. Right, exactly. You it's and, uh, it's, uh, it's it's better than attending your own funeral. <laughs> right. And uh so um you know, so I cooperated and, and gathered together some clips, uh, some of which we couldn't get permission to use. And uh, I gathered together a lot of stills. And uh, um, I guess um, they thought of people to interview. And uh, I believe Fred did the, his interview when he was in Buffalo, New York. Right. He got his own cinematographer to, to do it in the hotel room. I forget which film he was working on at that time, but... Uh, he got his own person to shoot himself, shoot the footage, and other people were shot here by Jeff locally. Uh, I think some people contributed footage through the mail. Yeah, I mailed my pe- footage. The one that right, the, the, of Nick course, and I right. uh, did is was sent to Jeff. He Jeff reached out to me via email. I didn't even know that Jeff ne- necessarily knew who I was, and he reached out to me via email and asked uh, if we, we all know who you are, John. We've all got your number. <laughs> I'm glad about that, George. That that, that was always the plan, <laughs> right? So uh, they, you know, they put this thing together, and uh, um, I mean, I asked them if they wanted any pictures of me, you know, as a baby or from my high school yearbook or uh, you know my first prom or first whatever. They didn't want any of that stuff. It's all relate. It's pretty much all related to my uh, you know uh, movies and stuff, and uh, they they didn't want to picture of my where i went to elementary school or uh no me as a toddler does not come it doesn't begin with my birth like some documentaries do right uh, of historical figures or you know what how i grew up and all that stuff and what influenced me it starts off with me as an adult pretty much a younger adult than I am now, <laughs> but still an adult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, um, there, there's obviously some personal moments in it, um, but yes, you're correct. It's far more about your um, career and your body of work. You know, it doesn't go into what you've done outside of acting in terms of your day job. It doesn't, it, no, it, it, it doesn't, only interviews doesn't. people um, involved in your films and things. So Right. I will I will give a plug for one film. Now you, you'll recall the cover of the box. Yeah. Uh, nobody's asked me what that what where did that picture of me with the green head come from? Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's mentioned in the documentary, but I don't know that they go into it. Well, I think they just say that they. It's it's, it's not the it's not one cube or two. It's not that play. Oh, okay. The, that was a different head I was wearing. This uh, green head on the cover is from a. Um, Christian short subject I was in called Prophet of Oz, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, like right. the prophet. Yes, of course. As opposed to as opposed to P-R-O-F-I-T, hmm. prophet and loss. This is Prophet right. of, of Oz, and it's a Christian short subject based on the Wizard of Oz, and it's on YouTube. So if anybody'd like to see me uh, as the Prophet of Oz, I, uh, I that's where that green makeup came from, oh. and that was made by Doug. Doug Ulrich, who uh, made a movie called uh, Seven Sins of the Vampire, which Alpha has released. Oh, nice. Then we need to pick that. So, and are uh, you in that as well? 
Yes, I'm in that movie, Seven Sins of the Vampire. Alpha released it, and I'm in that one. And uh, Doug uh, did this little short subject based on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I play I play the wizard character. So if it, it's only 18 minutes long or thereabouts. So if you want to watch it on YouTube, that's where to see it. And um, uh, I might as well give a plug. Since Alpha released uh, the documentary, I should mention a few other Alpha titles that I'm in. And once, uh, as I mentioned, Seven Sins of the Vampire. I'm also in The Death of Poe that Alpha released and uh, Terror in the Tropics and Terror in the Pharaoh's Tomb and Invasion of the Reptoids. Which I have. Uh, I have that one. I have the do double, you really? I have the double disc of that one. Yeah, that's one of the ones oh. I picked up off Amazon. Yeah. Okay. And um, so um, Alpha was uh, very good to release this documentary. I was, I was surprised it was snapped up so quickly because um, a lot of things, a lot of projects just sit around and they're hard to get released. But you're not the first because you had, there was, obviously there was Blood, Boobs and Beasts, the, the Dondola story. Oh, yes, yes. I found a home real real quick with trauma. Right, of course. And then, then we had um, Every Other Day is Halloween or Every Day is Halloween. Um, the, That's the, right, yeah. Uh, story about Dick Dizel and Count Gordovar. That's right, uh, yeah. John, John Dimes, um, also known as Dr. Sarcophagi, had a documentary about him, right? Uh, that came out recently. I forget the name of it now, but... Um, oh, I wasn't aware of any other one, but I'll have to look into that. Yeah, Leanna's friend, uh, uh, John Dimes. Um, but no, the fact that out of the little Baltimore uh, either filmmaking and or horror host community, um, you, you're all getting these, these uh, you know, now, now we've all got them on DVD and Blu-ray and things, but, but now you're finally getting your uh, due and you're finally getting your... Um, What's the word? Just the, just the word is getting out there more and more is what I mean to say. I can't really explain Yeah, myself. the Internet's a great way to um, publicize things. Right. I agree. You know? And, um, yeah, I, I, was, I loved seeing people kind of uh, frantically saying, I'm ordering stuff, I'm ordering stuff. That, that made me no end, of, uh, no end happy. Um, so w- w- they, they came to you with a documentary. They got everyone together. What, so what was it like when you finally got to sit down and, and watch it? Are you someone who, when you w- see people saying great things about you, kind of squirm and you don't like it? Or, or was there yeah, it's a kind of, certain it's kind joy of about awkward. it? It's kind of awkward. I, when I was watching the documentary, I thought, you know, this would be something good to um, show at my memorial service after I die someday in the future. Because way, I, way, I really way in that. the future, way, 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 in the way, future, way in I hope, the future. Yeah, I've been to memorial services where they have slide presentations or or they have photographs they have on display or whatever. I thought to myself, gee, this would be nice uh, if the memorial service is large enough. It would be nice to show this in a side room or something. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, I, I am a little, it is a little awkward to watch it. I, uh, you know, I'm not really, uh, it's a little odd for me. I kind of squirm a little bit. But was it was it for you, someone who's always loved movies and someone's always loved acting, and has pursued this amazing uh, career in it, uh, it? It was it fun to kind of look back at maybe just the lineage of it all, just seeing it kind of spread out on a timeline. Well, where you it started was. Where uh, you got to... It was interesting to see it all together in uh, an hour and a half. Uh, see a lot of the uh, clips and photographs, but. Uh, in, a, in another sense, it made me realize, oh my God, how old I am! Because the Don Dollar movies are almost like in a different 
another a lifetime ago. Yeah. I look and I look and see how young I was when I was doing them, and uh, I'm thinking, oh my goodness gracious, I wish I were that young again. I I still think Rizzo is ripe for a comeback, and even though he kind of technically dies at the end of Blood Massacre, I think we do a sequel. I think you <laughs> you you don the army jacket again, and we do a. a I think you could still play Rizzo at this age, so I think well, you could still <laughs> kick ass. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty. I hope I hope you're right. I might not be able to run through the woods as fast. No, no, no. We wouldn't. We, we wouldn't do that. We could do special All effects right. to have you run through the woods. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe at the veteran's home or something. I can. Uh, but I, I would. Uh, I might even make that, George. If I made it, uh, would you? Would you be in it? <laughs> oh sure. I love to play characters I played before. Yeah, is that no genuinely? Is that something you enjoy doing? Like the, the yeah, I like sequels. The... I think it's, I like to watch sequels, and I like um, you know I like it when uh, people come back and do a role they did before. For instance, I thought it was just back in 1985 when I saw Godzilla 1985. I thought it was terrific that Raymond Burr uh, came back for the American version of that movie to play um, his character again, who was in the first American version of the Godzilla movie, the first Godzilla, Yeah. all those years later. And, of course, he had had a lot of success with Perry Mason in the interim, so he could have just said, be in a Godzilla movie? But I guess, you know, I don't need the money. I don't want to do that. But he uh, he did it anyway, and, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of neat that he played the same character. Of course, I noticed it was uh, he played Steve Martin, in the first Godzilla, and he played Stephen Martin in the second Godzilla. I guess to not to avoid confusion with the uh, comedian actor, right? Steve Martin. So um, that would make But sense. I thought it was great that he came back and did that role all those years later. And I I enjoy that. Uh, enjoy it when a, a sequel is made or or follow up movie, and somebody plays the same character. I'm yeah. hoping Mink Stoll and I can uh, uh, play our roles of Bosley and Peggy Gravel. Someday, yeah, have it explained. Have it explained that I really wasn't killed when the maid sat on me. I was just <laughs> smothered and out, unconscious. They ran off to Mortville thinking I was dead, but I really wasn't dead. And yeah, you know, we we worked out the problems in our marriage, and here we are. I wish somebody would do that. So I was going to ask because obviously one of one of the the um, I think I think sad omissions from the from the documentary. Uh, is John Waters, um, and obviously you were uh, prominent in a couple of his early ones, and then had sort of uh, smaller parts in some of the later ones. Um, but are you are you are you in touch with John at all? Was there sort of talk of him being in the documentary, but just uh, schedules didn't line up? What what was that? Well, I'm not too much in touch with him. I saw him uh, two and a half years ago when his mother passed away. I went to the funeral parlor, and that's the last time I saw him. Um, I don't think he does too much for free anymore. I never oh, okay. contacted him. I mean, I, as a, the subject of the documentary, I didn't think it was my place to contact people and say, hey, do you want to be in it? Right. That makes sense. I just figured I just didn't want to get involved with asking people. And in his case, you know, um, He's a union member. I don't know what the rules are about that. He uh, he makes appearances in movies, and he's a, a SAG member, and I'm sure an AFTRA member. SAG-AFTRA, that's the combined union. And so is Mink Stoll. And I don't know, I don't know the legalities of uh, whether they could do it if they wanted to legally because 
you know, if they're as union members, I don't know if they can do a non-union f- project. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I understand. So, I mean, that's an issue. And, you know, John Waters is, uh, even if he wanted to do it, the scheduling is so bad. He travels so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I don't know if he'd want to do it because um, I think he's used to getting money for everything he does. So I didn't, I didn't ask him, and I don't think anybody else asked him. Okay. And, I just, uh, I just wondered. I was, I was, I was interested whether there had ever been talk uh, in some of his later stuff um, of you appearing in it or or anything like that. Because um, I know um, in Serial Mum, Mink Stoll's in that, isn't she? I think. Yes, I believe she is. Uh, with Kathleen Turner, and I just, I just wondered if, if, if in, um, in later years he'd ever contacted you to be in anything again. Well, not, not in the late, not in a while. Of course, he hasn't done anything in a while, movie-wise. No. But uh, well, he should. A dirty George. shame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he well, should, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can get real famous people now. He yeah, couldn't I'm do sure. that in the '70s so much, but now he can get real famous people to um, be in his movies. Um, and so, uh, with the uh, so with the release of documentary and release of Alien Factor on Blu-ray, um, do you have anything else coming out soon? Is there going to be because every all the good stuff comes in threes? So is there well, is there another um, Dondo, um, another George Stover in, thing coming up? In July, uh, a film I was in comes out called. Uh, well, it was it was originally called Milfs M I L F S. Versus zombies, yeah. and then the distributor uh, worldwide media, I believe, this uh, changed the title to four milfs versus zombies. So they they I think thought because, a specific number would really sell the the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it uh, makes it higher in the alphabet, so it's more noticeable on distribution on lists of available titles. But anyway, that's available for pre-order now nice. on Amazon. And uh, I think it's it's either the number four or F O U R milfs versus zombies, and that's available for uh, pre-order. And uh, it was directed by Brad Twig, who's in my documentary. Right, I and, saw that. Uh, it comes out in July. I'm not sure of the date, but I have ordered. I pre-ordered a couple copies myself. And then I was in um, a movie called. Uh, I hosted a movie called Frames of Fear. I was the host. It's a movie with. Uh, I think about five anthology stories in it. It's an anthology movie with five stories in it, rather. Right. And it's going to be premiere at the um, Scares the Care convention, I think, uh, soon, in a few weeks. And uh, I was in uh, a movie for Joe, Joe Sherlock, who lives in Portland, Portland Oregon, called uh, Beyond the Wall of Fear. And um, in that one, I sent him my clip. I play a doctor wearing my original lab coat. From the Alien Factor, and I oh, I've I seen clips of that. Yeah, yeah I've seen play, them put screenshots I, up. I, yep. I play a doctor who's interviewed by a, uh, a newscaster, so it's a split screen thing. But I mailed him the footage. I shot it in my backyard, and mailed him the footage. And I think that's coming out soon. And uh, I just did um, my role in a project called uh, Revenge of the Devil Bat. Oh, yes, with Dick Didell again. Dick's back yes, in Dick the movie. Yes, Dick Didell's in that. And that was made by the same fellow, Ted Mooring, who did uh, Invasion of the Reptoids. Oh, tremendous. Yeah, I can't wait to see that then. When well, do you... It's, you know, it's a tr- tribute to the original Devil Bat. Yeah. And, uh, 
and John Link is in it as well, and I believe Conrad Brooks is in it. And um, I, I don't know when it's um, going to be finished because they do it. They, they've been shooting it over a long period of time sporadically, but uh, I'm sure he'll get it done sooner or later. But I don't know when, but I hope soon. Yeah. But I play the sher- I play a sheriff in that when I wear my same costume that I wore in uh, my same shirt at least yeah. that I wore in Invasion of the Reptoids, oh, which is the same one I wore in um, Alien Factor Two. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm proud that I could still fit in the, sh- in the same shirt. That's tremendous, George. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel I honored. Really... I feel honored to have held those costumes. And in the case of your lab coat. <laughs> Worn it, which was, I have right. to say, that was a monumental moment for me. Is, oh, is it the same? Uh, do you, did you, because I know you were in a lab coat in uh, Attack of the 60 foot centerfold. Did you that take one out? Lab. It's a different one. That okay. was a different lab coat. I didn't, I didn't bring my, uh, I didn't bring mine with me. That, that was one that they uh, came up with out there. But was that Fred's little knot? Like, did he know that you're, you always wear <laughs> sort of a lab coat, play well, a doctor? I I think he knows I, I, I uh, uh, play scientists a lot, and I, he probably has seen the alien factor so many times that he remembers that lab coat. So I guess he wanted to stick me in something uh, that I would be comfortable in. Well, um, I, yeah, yeah, of course. That, that, I think that, that works as a nice kind of motif of your, of your career. <laughs> right, but it's actually not. It's actually a different uh, lab it's a di- coat. It's a different lab coat. But, yeah, I didn't uh, want to risk. I didn't want to risk taking mine out to California. When's the <laughs> When's the Smithsonian going to put yours in a nice little case? Uh, well, that's what I want to know. Yours needs to be I, preserved, I George, for all time. That's all I'm saying. I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to that. Pretty soon, it's going to get so stiff it can walk around on its own. <laughs> Do you ever wash it or not, just for fear of it falling apart? I actually, I have, I have not washed it in years. Okay. <laughs> That's why I... Uh, it, it's a little tighter than it used to be. Sure. But um, uh, I, uh, I keep it up in, my, up in a room with the other costume, uh, costumes. And do you still I, I, have Rizzo's army jacket? Do you still have that, or did that? Yes, go? I still have that, and that was my real uh, army jacket that I wore in the army reserves when I went to um, basic training. Right. And uh, um, I believe I was issued that jacket when I was in basic training at Fort Polk, Louisiana, for eight for whatever it is, eight weeks. Yeah. And um, that's my real army. Uh, jacket and i still have that and the boots i still have so because i i I am my my head my wheels are turning in my brain i think you need to make another appearance as rizzo in something so i'm I'm gonna figure out how to do that i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out how to do that if you if you agree to be in it i'll figure out how to do it yeah i don't i mean i don't as far as the other people if you need the supporting cast i don't know where those folks went no, it I would just be you. Them. It would be it would be a new tale of Rizzo, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've come. You know, I've used Facebook to try to reach out to people I knew in the past, and sometimes with success, and t- sometimes not. Yeah, I mean, is Robin uh, London still? Is she still out there somewhere with a uh, crazy? I think eyes? she moved to. An, I think she moved to another state. Okay. I I met somebody at a, a, a screening who knew her husband. Or knew some knew where she went. I don't know. I don't know where she lives now, but I think it's in one of the southern states. I don't really... I've lost touch with her. 
And it's hard to find. Sometimes it's hard to find women on Facebook because they get married and they change their last names. Right. Of course. Yeah. 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 I'd love to, um, you know, find some people from my past that I worked with in the past on Facebook. I've come up. I found a lot of people, mostly males though, because the women, uh, you know, change their names and. You can't look them up anymore. Have you ever thought, like, with modern technology, and I know, because I know, obviously, a lot of the, the younger filmmakers you work with in Baltimore are fans of your early work, uh, Chris Lamartina and people like Oh, like yeah, him. speaking of which, he has a, he's working on another movie. I did my role in that. It's called What Happens Next Will Scare You. Oh, excellent. And, and uh, that's coming out. I don't know when. I worked on that with him. Because I was a big fan of President's Day. I think your role in President's Day is tremendous. I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm very fond of that, too. Have you seen uh, Call Girl of Cthulhu? I've seen that, yes. I've seen, um, which I enjoyed which a lot. Brew? Which is Brew seen... and uh-huh. WNUF, the uh, horror oh, yeah. Halloween uh-huh. special. So, no, I've seen, I've seen most of his and Jimmy George's stuff, right. I think. And I've seen, obviously, all the trailer park not coming attraction on YouTube. Oh, yeah, they uh... Shriek of the Easter Beast. I still I wear that same shirt from Alien <laughs> Rampage. So I fit. In, that's when I first discovered I could still fit in it when I did that one. But I was going to say because uh, my my brain just runs over time, and if I had all the money and if I had all the equipment, uh, the the things that I would do. But uh, with modern technology, you could technically, for example, you could play Rizzo and you could play the sheriff from Alien Factor Two, and you could arrest yourself. You know what I mean? Like we could have a split screen. <laughs> And have you uh, either meet yourself and or would that would that interest you? <laughs> sure. I could arrest myself at different ages of my life, maybe, too. Right, exactly. No, you mean, I, you mean uh, using old footage or using new footage? No, new footage. We would film oh, you as, see, yeah. as Rizzo. Sure, that would be now. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that would be um, but no, something different. Because in all seriousness, I was uh, me and my friend Jay, um, I don't know if you noticed on Facebook, but I put up some really silly pictures a while back of Jay and I messing around with a chainsaw in his back garden and, uh, and, and doing some horror movie poses and things. And um, me and my friend Jay are thinking of maybe putting together a horror movie. And if I can get some of my uh, movie friends in as cameos, I was I was sort of racking my brain as to how to do that. But uh, <laughs> that sounds interesting. One day, one day, George, one day we will work together in 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 uh, uh, some form of filmic capacity. That that's my dream, anyway. <laughs> well, that, that would be that would be nice. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, um, is there anything else you wanted to say? about uh, either the documentary or the Blu-ray in order to promote them, and also anything else that you're working on right now? Well, I'm trying to think of any other filmmakers I've uh, omitted uh, that I'd like to plug. I was in a, a, another movie that I hope it's going to be coming out soon on uh, probably Alpha. I'm hoping Alpha will pick it up. It's called Stellar Quasar and the Scrolls of Dedalia. Wow, that's oh, a Gary, title and a half. It, it's it's from uh, Gary and Sue Svela. Oh, right. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. You know, they made Terror in the Pharaoh's Tomb and Terror in the, in the Tropics, which uh, Alpha released. Yeah. And that one uses old stock footage. But this one is, is uses new footage, and it's um, an outer space epic, you might say. Yeah. And uh, the the hook on that one, though, is, you know, they, uh, they got uh, Veronica Carlson and Caroline Monroe to be in it. Oh, wow. Yes. No, you were telling me about... Or when, where did I hear about this? Oh, did you mention that on the, the um, interview? I did mention it there. And, um, uh, they, they, they met them um, 
they were at a convention and they, they persuaded them to be in their movie be, only because Gary and Sue had had booked uh, both of those ladies for the Fanex conventions, and they were very well acquainted. And uh, the, the actresses liked uh, Gary and Sue, and said, and so they said yes. Where yeah. they might not do that for just anybody asking them. No, they of did course. it for Gary and Sue, and uh, they're in a little scene together. And uh, I think it was shot in a, up in a hotel room or uh, with the green screen, and um, and um, you know they'd never even worked together at Hammer, so it's kind of gonna it's gonna gonna be kind of neat to have them working together yeah. all these years later in something, and uh, I think that's a real big hook for getting this thing uh, released. Definitely. And nice. also, also, which which reminds me of uh, I want to give a plug to Matt Cloud in uh, Virginia who uh, put me in his movie. Night of the Living Dead Genesis. Oh wow, what's that? Uh, well, it's I don't know the whole story because I only read my uh, sides for my part. Sure. I play a coroner, but the the real hook for that one, he's still working on it. But the hook for that one is uh, he got Judith O'Day to come back and play Barbara once more. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's from incredible. Night of the Living from the original Night of the Living Dead. Sure, of course, yeah. And uh, he. Um, Got her to uh, to be in that, which I think is exciting because here she is playing the same character she played decades ago. Yeah, in a new movie. That's great. Um, I was wondering, have you seen the Bone Garden yet? Um, no, I haven't. I mean, I'm aware of it, but I haven't. Yeah, I well, haven't that's seen another one I'd like to plug. That's available now. Oh, and, that's uh, come that out, was, has it? It's come out on DVD. Um, great, Mike Guttridge. Mike Guttridge uh, made that one. He lives in Pennsylvania, and he made it in Maryland. And uh, the real um, neat thing about that one is he he got three of the um, alumni from the Friday the Thirteenth movies to be in his movie, which is kind of kind of neat. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, you're rubbing shoulders with all sorts of people, George, in your phone Well, career. it was nice to work with some, a couple of them because sure. I, I grew up with the Friday the 13th movies, that's for sure. Yeah, they were great series. I covered them all on a different show, a uh, different oh, yeah, podcast. So, we did one through 11 or whatever. So watch, the, watch The Bone Garden if you have a chance. It's really a pretty good movie. Oh, my Amazon wish list is suddenly uh, piling up now <laughs> with all these movies you're mentioning. I'm like, wow, that's been released. Okay, I need to keep up. <laughs> right. I still need to see, actually, because I saw Kevin Kangas's uh, Fear of Clowns 1 and 2. Um, I need to see a Garden of Eden, which, of course, is mentioned in the documentary, but I knew you had... That's the, is that the first and only time you've worked with Kevin, or was it just the first time you worked with Kevin? It's the first. First and only so far, but I hope that'll change. I hope it will. Yeah. No, it was fun to meet him. Kevin's a, Kevin's a great guy. It was fun to meet him at the party as well, so... Uh, yeah, can't wait, George. Lots of lots of great stuff in the future. Um, can't wait to see see some of those. And I obviously urge the the listeners to uh, to go out, look 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 them all up, um, buy what they can afford, and uh, and enjoy them because uh, there's nothing. I don't think there's there's nothing like the homemade movie making of 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 Baltimore. It really does. It it just seems to me like there's such a. I haven't come across doing the website another community in the same way that you guys are putting out 
the high quality but also great fun movies that you put out. It's uh, oh, thank you. It seems to be a real thriving um, vein of creativity that's right there, and it's uh, I couldn't be happier to know all about it. <laughs> oh, great, great, John. That's wonderful. Um, so, uh, George, thank you ever so much for being our guest this week on the on the afternoon. Oh, my pleasure. Diner. Always a thrill, and. Um, I can't wait to come back down again. Yes, we will see each other again, hopefully soon, George. But thanks ever so much for being a good sport and talking welcome, uh, to John. me this evening. It's always a pleasure. My and uh, all I the had best. a great time. Okay, thanks a lot. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.